morning and we continue on our series through Hosea. We, we come to a passage that is quoted by Jesus on a couple of occasions. So, you know, it's one of those things of, it, that some of these words may sound familiar. Jesus quoted twice just these words. I won't leave you in suspense this morning. If he said something along the lines for if you learn what this meant, desire, the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He said this a couple times to the uh, leaders of God's people in the day. And I believe it has something to, for us to be reminded today. The reality is everyone, any of us, all of us, we're striving for something. We're living our life in order to gain something. We're striving for something. I think there's a couple songs that have that phrase in it. I think we might even sing one. I couldn't remember which one because I finalized things. We're striving for something. We all have needs. Whether that need is a, a need of, of achievement, of, of having this ability that we've done something, or a need of uh, freedom and independence, where we have this idea that I don't have to rely on everybody else for something. Or whether it's just, you know, sometimes we just need to have fun. You know? Let's think of our kids. They want to have fun. And they want to be independent, and sometimes their fun creates non-independence. Because they've done something, they go, that's not the way it goes. We also have a need just truly for survival. The basic essentials of life. Clothing, shelter, food, water. Basic needs. Everyone has those needs. But then we also have another need that sometimes we forget, or sometimes it is those others that we try. When we want to have the power, we want to be able to tell somebody what to do, we shortchange our need for belonging, for community. We were created as people who have relational needs. We were never meant to go it alone. Yet sometimes we strive for advancement in life, we strive for freedom and independence in life, and we, we fail to realize the need to belong somewhere. Or because we want the power, we will push other people away. I don't need you. I don't want to need you. And then we end up wanting something. Reality is, is, is sometimes, as we're learning here, sometimes we want what we need. I mean, here in just a short while, your, your stomach is probably going to tell you you need food. Now, I, we might debate whether or not we really need food. You know, we're pretty well off food wise. Though we in St. Paris have a food desert to some extent, trying to find good food can be hard. You're really just 15 miles away. Sometimes we want what we need. We know this. We realize this. And so we strive for that need. 
Sometimes, though, we want what we don't need. I will tell you, Joyce brought ice cream this morning. Three different kinds of ice cream, and I'm going to add to it a couple different kinds of ice cream. Well, I think one's the same. You have to know, right, Joyce? Yeah, she has to know the cookies and cream and sugar, okay? I'm going to add strawberries. Let's be honest. We don't need ice cream. We might need food. What was that, Shannon? Uh-huh. We, we need food, but we don't need ice cream. Does that mean I'm not going to have ice cream? I'm not going to tell you. You know, we'll all figure that out later. You know, that, but, but we, sometimes we want what we don't really need. But it would be convenient. It would be maybe a little helpful. And this is where, you know, Hosea was saying is, sometimes what's going on, the prophets are saying is, the, the nation of Israel, like you, like me, they desire something that it may be good, but they really don't need, and they forget what they needed. Which brings me to my third kind of thought this morning. Sometimes we need what we do not want. Anybody who's had kids that have been sick, you know, you have to commiserate the other day. Know that sometimes you got to take a medicine, but the medicine, they, they never make it taste great. At least not all of it. I remember Bubblegum Boxicillin was the only good one, you know. But sometimes you have to take it. But you sure don't want it. And what we see again and again in the Old Testament, but it's not just in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, and it is in time beyond the New Testament to today and until Jesus comes back, is that we as human beings most of the time will not, will not see that we need something, or we see it and we do not want it. And we want what we want and if I could put that in the way of the Western culture, I want what I want, and I want it now. Don't make me wait. How dare you? And sometimes, as we read and been looking at in the book of Hosea, sometimes, and, and Paul picks up the same theme, but it wasn't just Hosea, it was almost all of the prophets. Sometimes God said, I will give you what you want, but not what you need. And he allows us to get our own desires. We think we need those, we think we want those, and God says, fine, have those. But that's not what you need, nor is it what I want you to have. And as we finished up last week, we read where, where God was going to be like a lion. He was going to discipline them. And as we pick up in 515 today, we see God goes back to his den, to his lair. It's not that he brings the nation back with him, but he goes back and says, okay, my hands are off. As parents, this is a hard time when we have to let our kids either fly or drop. Every good bird, if they always stayed in the nest, what kind of bird would they be? Not one. They gotta go out. You know, and, and we have to remind there's a time when we as individuals cannot control what another person will do. We have to let them go out. And God, as a, as a loving parent, says, go. 
You may not like what you get. But I'm just going to sit back in my lair, 515 of Hosea says, and let you go. And then we read that Hosea is trying to encourage his people, or maybe the people themselves are like, let us return to God. Let, we, we know what is going on. Let us return to God. And it reminds us that God desires that people would seek him. He doesn't always make it the easiest in a sense of we have to see what we really need. It's easy because of all of Scripture reminds us that God's creation proclaims who he is. It always has, it always will. So we can see God. And sometimes we think that when God disciplines us, we can kind of uh, sit back and, and have kind of almost a gleeful leaf look in our face like, ha, 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 they finally got it. Has anybody ever had an experience like that? You know, maybe you've been on the interstate and you've been going the speed limit and someone zoomed by at 90 miles an hour and then you see that same car is pulled over by a state trooper. Anybody, anybody willing to admit alongside myself that you kind of go, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you know, some people wave, you know, some people are like, oh, finally, justice is served. What? Uh, I admit there's been many of times in life where I try not to outwardly do this. This is why it's good that I'm a, I'm a counselor. I learn to train my face not to actually respond to what's going on in my head at times. Um, you know, others of you, the face responds to everything that's going on, you know, and that's the part of it. But, but, but we have this desire, but we need to understand that when it comes to our world around us, God desires that people would seek him. Part of the reason for the nation of Israel was that they would be a light to the Gentiles, the Old Testament says. They were to be a priest among the nation. Peter picks both of those things up. And so they were never to look at their neighbor and go, ha ha, you're being destroyed. Because Ezekiel says this, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. The New Testament, one of the things I said I'm going to try to do is give this theme, this thread. We see that Peter says something very similar, uh, where he says God is not slow in keeping his promises, as we understand slowness. But he desires that all would come to know him, that none would perish. God desires you and me to seek him. And sometimes what happens when we are we we no longer get what we've always had. And there's a little bit of grace removed. We we have a saying in our will that sometimes is true. Uh, separation uh, makes the heart go fonder. I think I butchered it, but you know, I do that well. Uh, but you know, the idea that when we're away, we start to realize what we've taken for granted. We didn't even know it. You know, uh, things that are just done because they are done. And this is what's happening here. What did Israel need? 
when they start to see it. We start to read what their need is, whether, whether Hosea himself is just saying this, trying to get others to encourage him, or maybe they thought some of it, but there's a little bit of debate. But he says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he's, he's torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. You know, there's this idea, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. You know, in the early church debated was this a somewhat of an allusion to the resurrection of Christ. I'm not quite sure that was the case. But when we start to read what goes on in the New Testament, we read and we see what the early church did. They're going, wait a minute. They're, the whole Old Testament was getting us ready for this. What Israel needed was a revival. A revival. They needed to come back. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let's press on to acknowledge Him. And, and if, there, if we go on this path of revival, just like the sun came up this morning and will come up tomorrow, He will appear. Jesus would say similar words. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Ask, and it shall be given. Different order than what I said, but the point is still there. Israel needed a revival. Israel wanted to just turn back the clock. A couple, maybe hundred years. They weren't looking for a revival. They were looking to go back when at least things were going well. They wanted to go back. They wanted to turn back the clock to what we may call the good old days when things were going their way. And so they tried. They, they, they tried to do things like, well, we'll, we'll just uh, get back into our religious habits of the days. We'll, we'll start sacrificing again, maybe. We'll start going to the temple again, maybe. We'll be fervent and passionate in our, 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 our ways of trying to get to God because we're hoping we'll just turn it back and all will be well. And these are the words of Hosea. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. During Jesus' days, it was the Pharisees, the conservative religious leaders of the day that they weren't wanting a revival. They wanted to go back to a time when they were independent, when they were free. And Jesus had to remind them on at least two occasions Learn this. The Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than offerings. If you do the devotions, which are available in many different ways, online in our app, um, in your little handout this morning, you will read both of those times. So I'm not going to try to ruin that. As I try to move quickly, but one of those times, and one of the times we need to remind ourselves of this is when, when, when Jesus was hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, tax, I mean, he called a tax collector. And if you are, were a conservative in the day, that was a big no-no. I mean, the only, probably the worst person you could actually uh, call to be a follower if you were Jesus in that day would have been a Roman himself. Uh, you know, to some extent, we get that with Paul as a Roman citizen by birth. 
uh, you know, in a crazy way that God, only God knows what he's doing. You know, but tax collector was just there. He was disowned by his own people. And here, Matthew was it. And the Pharisees are going, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. He doesn't belong here. He can't do that. And Jesus says, learn what this means. Desire mercy, not sacrifice. Then the other time he said this in, in a brief overview is he and his disciples were walking through a grain, uh, you know, the fields. And they decided because they're hungry, they needed food, that they would just pluck some of the kernels off the head. You know, and, and as Leland could tell us, or Art, you know, when we just kind of ready to eat, it's not that hard to do that. You know, you can pluck them off fairly easy. And they eat it. And, and, and the conservatives of the day said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're, you're, you're harvesting on the, on the Sabbath. I don't know about you, I'm not a farmer, I'm a city guy, okay? I've learned more about farming in the past seven years than I ever thought I could learn. Uh, and still learning. Yeah, I would not classify someone who's coming and picking a couple kernels off as harvesting by any stretch of the imagination. And if my stomach is growling enough, I don't care how hard to work it is, I'm going to get fed. You know? And Jesus, once again, as they have this conversation, says, remember what you need to learn, that the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgments of God, rather than burnt offerings. So we can get in the habit, when we want to turn back the clock, is we're just going to do what we've always done, or what we used to do, that we fell out the wayside. We just add something in. And what Hosea is reminding the people, what Jesus was reminding the people, what we need to be reminded today, faithful religious acts is not enough. If it only stops there. Connect this passage of scripture with an earlier passage if you would like. 1 Samuel 15, just write it down in your notes and you can read it later. Saul thought that the right acts would be enough, and so he did what he thought was the best thing to do, which was sacrifice animals according to how God previously had stated to do it. The problem was Saul was made to wait. And so Samuel the prophet got it. Saul got a little too eager. There's other things there. And once again, Samuel says something very similar to Hosea here that Jesus says later when he says obedience, God desires obedience better than he does sacrifice. The Lord did not, does the Lord delight in offerings and sacrifices as, as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of anything. Obedience isn't just something we get to do once or twice a week. It's an attitude. Anybody who's had kids that work with kids, you know sometimes kids will obey, not because they want to, but it's spite of it. I've had those, you know. I've had I've had some of mine and kids over the years. Not just I mean I was in a 
was with some uh, people yesterday reminiscing about my kids before my kids. You know, some of them turned out well. I had nothing to do with those. Some of them didn't turn out well. I might have had something to do with those. I don't know. Uh, you know, where where the goal was never just to get them to look the part of being a Christian. And that they just look the parts. If we just look the parts, we may miss what is really beyond it. This is why Jesus said, once again, and I'll try to start wrapping this up because I know uh, what time it is. The idea that he looked at some of those that looked the part and said, you're just a whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside, but on the inside you are dead. And nothing on the inside is going to bring about life. And Hosea is trying to get his, his nation to realize you can't look good and not really follow the ways of the Lord, which means you've got to be obedient. They needed revival. All they wanted was just turn the clock back. What about us today? Do we want to just turn back the clock? I read an article this week and made the publisher, the publication called The Atlantic. I read lots of different things, so don't think I tested a cool of living kind of thing where the writer of conservative evangelical. Uh, who would be, I would say, one of us, okay? So this isn't someone uh, on the left looking at us and, and saying something. Someone in our own uh, neighborhood said their concern, and I paraphrase, their concern was that some of us as conservative evangelicals don't want revival. We just want to go back to a time of the 1960s or 70s just with less racism and a little bit more equality. But we just really don't want anything to change. And I go, ooh. Hmm. See, because what Israel needed and what we need is a revival. But the problem with that is, is, is revival faithfulness. Revival is hard work. It's not easy. And revival by its nature is that God is doing something, this is my definition of revival, okay? Is something new connected to the old story, but it isn't the old story just packaged in a new way. It's when God breaks out in a new way connected to the age-old story of all of Scripture. Acts 2 was a revival, but God didn't just turn back the clock created something new. This is where I think Jesus was talking about when he says, you put new wine in new wineskins, not in old. And we read over and over again, the next, the next uh, cataclysmic revival, that's going to be a revival that the whole world will be a part of, is when, when God makes all things new. But he doesn't just Turn back the clock and say, okay, now we're good. It is something new that you and I cannot really truly imagine. But Paul would say he has started to reveal this to us through his spirit. 
revival is something new. When God does something new that is directly connected to the story and the scriptures, when Jesus came, he didn't just turn back the clock. That would have been instituting a new king that was in the representation of God, which was what the kings of old was to be. But, as John so eloquently puts, and I quote, as we come to a close, he says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was life with the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He didn't just turn back the clock for someone else to be his representative. He said, I'm here. Revival has come. It's connected to everything that has happened before us. Behold, a new thing is going on. And we, just as the nation of Israel in that day, we have a choice today. Will we see what the revival has happened among us? Or will we just really sit back and go, Lord, I wish you would just take us back to the 80s. When things were just not as bad as they are today, just could we be a little nicer? And I think what we may do, if we would listen, I don't know, I'm speculating, I can't tell for certain, but maybe we would hear the Lord say, I desire mercy, not nice looking people. A desired intimate relationship that is living and breathing and just going to church and praying things and reading the Bible just because of what you do. You may hear and say, I'm ready to do something new. Do you believe? And as the man who is about to be healed said, I believe, but help me. And my unbelief. Maybe that's our prayer this morning. Help us, O Lord, in our unbelief. And when we do that, we will hear the tender voice of our Lord calling, calling us to come where He is, which is home, calling us to be where He is, which will be home. But we must be willing to say, I need what he has to offer. I want what he has to offer. And so let us go to the one 
who does those things. Father God, we ask now that as we close this time, we would hear the soft name, the tender voice of a father calling his children home. Home not just to a place that we once were, but home to a place where you will transform us again and again and again. And may we stay home because of who you are. Lord, be with us as we continue to worship through this hymn this morning. And we pray this in the name of he who calls us the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Will you stand and pray.